folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate, discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, I also detail current and past investigations on occasion, so thanks for joining me. Um, Phantoms and Monsters Radio Channel was made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. Super chat and super thanks donations are always appreciated. And uh, there is a buy me a coffee link and banner. So uh, I thank you for your consideration. So tonight's going to be a little bit different. We're going to, I'm going to talk about a few new reports that we've received. Not necessarily, well, one's new and one's an older report doing with Chicago. And we've been getting, we've been getting more Chicago sightings in recently. So we'll be catching up on that at another time. But the one in particular I want to talk about was fairly recent, uh, a Mariah, Pennsylvania resident report that a, uh, a recent sighting of an eight-foot-tall black upright canine that was observed crossing the road uh, in, you know, in front of her sister and son. And the witness also stated that the beast howled. So... Uh, it's not real long, but it's an interesting report. On Saturday, the 17th of December at around midnight on Industrial Road near where I live in Maria, Pennsylvania, my sister and son were driving back from dinner and shopping. <clears throat> they both saw a jet black, upright, wolf-like creature the size of an outhouse, or eight foot tall or so, uh, run across the road in front of them. Now, my son said the moon was bright and there were three inches of snow on the ground. He said it looked human-like. He also states that it moved extremely fast as it ran across the road in front of them. Now, this is a road located about one mile from Frackville, Pennsylvania, and nearly two miles from Maria, Pennsylvania. My son said that it howled, thought you should know about it, and, you know, I do know... The, the writer, um, she's a friend on Facebook, and she listens a lot to the show and reads a lot of what I post. And uh, I have been aware of her many years of Bigfoot contact and gifting. Uh, so I, I do trust her instincts. She lives up in, like you said, Maria, Pennsylvania. That's up in Schuylkill County, I think that's what it is. I used to go to Maria. I used to actually go up to Frackville a lot because my uh, my first wife, was from there, and uh, he had family up there, so I I know the area. It's uh, it's off. Uh, was that Route 80 between uh, 15 and uh, Scranton? So it's up in the mountains, up in the eastern mountains in Pennsylvania. Now she did state that also that the funny thing is that I did not hear this until just now, which was eight. 8 p.m. on December 21st, and that she was in the woods at a Bigfoot gifting site that very day. And according to her, the atmosphere was not the same. Now, this may have been a warning from Bigfoot. They only ever felt something like this uh, previously, once previously, and they think that this cryptic canine may have been in the area. So, uh... She said she didn't hear any birds or any of the regular noise in the woods for the whole time she was out there. So we're going to have some team members look 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 into this. Uh, I don't know if they've been contacted by 
contact to her yet or not. But uh, you can find the sighting on the Pennsylvania Dogman Upright Canine Interactive map too. So the next uh, the next situation was a uh, an East Side Chicago resident reports a 2013 sighting of a large humanoid gargoyle that they observed in a neighbor's tree from across the street. Uh, they actually saw it fly into the tree. Now. The witness states, I'm a current resident of Chicago, Illinois. I live in the east side of Chicago and have been living here since 1988. We moved to my current residence in the summer of 2006 from my childhood residence, which is just a few minutes away. Now, in the the summer of 2013, my sister and I were sitting outside in front of our house at East 108th Street and South Avenue N which is in the east side community. Uh, it was late at night when we noticed a large human-like bat in my neighbor's tree across the street. I described it as uh, a gargoyle-looking thing. When I read the article on your website and they described it as a gargoyle, it convinced me to email you because that's how I described it. Now, I haven't even told my sister about this. It was, it was really weird. We didn't hear any noises or anything. It was just sitting in the tree. I saw it when it flew there, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, So you would wonder if it was the same thing that I've been reporting about. And sure, I mean, this is very similar to what we've been getting. They said it was about four to five foot in height, grayish black skin-like body, and wings. I don't even know if it was looking at us or not, but it was just sitting there. So there wasn't anything about the eyes, which we don't get them on all the reports. So... um, like I said, we, we we have been reporting some new um, some new sightings, uh, or uh, that actually Manuel reported one the other the other day, which I posted on the blog. So if you go to the blog, there's a lot of different stuff there, and I'll be talking about those in the future. So um, we got another one here, where a woman from Maine recalls her horrific experience while living in a rural cabin, an unknown screaming beast literally attacked the cabin, stalking the woman and her friend who were inside. Now, um, I, I just wanted to state, I, I'm not going to stop between the, the the encounter reports. We'll just grab everything at the end, and uh, if you have a question, save it for then. Because I am going to talk about my encounter in 81 of the Sykesville Monster, or what people call the Sykesville Monster, the last time I did the show, I had a lot of people asking about it and wanted me to describe it, so I decided to do it this time around. So in, in this case, in 1981, my friends lived in a very rural cabin near Baxter State Park in Maine. The road was only traveled by the residents. You could drive on it and not expect to see any other cars. I was driving up there one night, and as I went around the last bend before reaching the cabinet, an eight-foot-tall Sasquatch was standing on the side of the road. It was massive. It had to be four foot across the shoulders with brownish-blonde hair. I then noticed that it was a male. His skin was dark. His face had a long beard and looked both ape-like and human-like. He stood there motionless looking at me. I was freaked out when my headlights were on him, and we actually made contact. He was not 20 foot from me. I sped 
passed and then into my friend's driveway. I ran into the cabin screaming that I'd seen a huge Sasquatch. So a few years later, I bought a small property near Mount Blue State Park, which is in Maine. Uh, one winter, a friend was visiting from Utah. Now, my boyfriend and his friends went out on the snowmobiles at night. Later, we were inside the, uh, the cabin and started hearing these bizarre growls. Like, uh, no noise I'd ever heard before or since. Um, the growls uh, got louder and louder. Then whatever this was started screaming, literally shaking the cabin. It was right outside. I ran toward the door and placed a board barricade through the loop. As soon as I did that, something was pulling and shaking the door on the other side. Now, each time we changed our position in the cabin, that part of the cabin would be attacked. We were terrified. My boyfriend had bought a, brought a pistol, so I grabbed it. We climbed a ladder into the bedroom. Whatever that thing was landed on the roof above us. Its screams were the scariest thing you've ever, you've ever wanted to hear, and they're impossible to repeat. Now, just as we thought our lives were over, we could hear the snowmobiles coming back. Now, whatever that thing was finally ran off. We told the guys what had happened, and they went out to look for tracks. At first, they thought we were crazy until they saw the huge unknown prints with long claw marks in the snow. Uh, there were deep scratches on the window frames and outside walls. Now, my boyfriend was an experienced hunter. He couldn't explain the prints or the deep claw marks. I soon moved west to California. There's no way I was staying in that cabin, let alone in, in Maine. So I don't know what they saw um, or had an encounter with. Was it a Bigfoot? It could have very well been a Bigfoot. Um, but then again, you know, you don't normally have them act like that and attack someone who's inside of a cabin or banging on a cabin. It's very rare. So maybe it was something else. Who knows? So uh, now back in 2011, and this has to do with something that I had done some research on. And of course, I had been involved with looking into the the uh, upright canine phenomena in Pennsylvania and Maryland. Uh, and at that time, I was living in Maryland, so I was interested in some of the sightings that had been occurring in Maryland, some historical sightings. So back in May of 2011, I posted a narrative describing the Snallygaster, which is a legendary beast from, uh, from my neck of the woods when I was living in Maryland. Another cryptid from that region is the Dueo. Not as well known as the Snallygaster, but just as terrifying to those who have encountered the creature. Now, in the late 18th century, the Pennsylvania Dutch started to settle on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line in Carroll, Frederick, and Washington counties. They were all farmers. Now, not long after settling, setting down their roots, tales of the Hexen Wolf started to circulate. Um, now, the Hexen Wolf was, I, I, I guess it was kind of like the werewolf from the old world. Uh, that was the name that they gave to it back in Germany. Anyway, the description of this beast was similar to the Dueo, a mammalian biped with features similar to a wolf, but the stance and stature of a human. 
Now, these farmers raised livestock for food and revenue, uh, so it was important that their domestic animals be protected from this beast. Uh, they used to decorate their barns with uh, the five-pointed barn stars. People knowing about hex signs and barn stars are supposed to protect the property and the people living there. Um, but I was actually told the real reason for the stars was the belief that it was a talisman against baneful spirits or other dark entities, which would include these hexen wolves or, you know, these these cryptid canines. Um, now, the first mention of the name Dwayo or Dwayo comes from a sighting in 1944 in West Middleton, Frederick County, Maryland, the witnesses heard the creature make frightful screams. And there were uh, footprints attesting to the claims of the sightings. Now, the creature had come first come to prominence after a story ran in the Frederick News Post in November 1965. Uh, reporter George May wrote in the article, Mysterious Dwayo loose in the county that a young man named anonymously as John Becker heard a strange noise in the backyard, which was situated on the outskirts of Gambrel State Park. Now, Gambrel State Park... Um, is known for Bigfoot activity. Now, I, I don't know how much there, you know, as far as some of these sightings with uh, cryptic canines, but I do know there's Bigfoot activity reported there. Upon going out to investigate the noise, he initially saw nothing, so he headed back in. It was then that he caught sight of the creature. Uh, something was moving toward him in the dark. Becker was quoted that it was as big as a bear, had long black hair and a bushy tail, and growled like a wolf or dog in anger. The thing quickly moved toward him on its hind legs and began to attack him. He fought off the creature and drove it back into the woods, later calling police to report the incident. Now, in the summer of 1966... A creature was again sighted, uh, or the creature, it may have been that, the same one or another one, on the outskirts of Gambrel State Park. A man only referred to as Jim A. encountered the Dwayos that was heading toward a campsite. It was described as a shaggy, two-legged creature the size of a deer that had a triangle-shaped head with pointed ears and chin. It was dark brown in color and then a and when approached, they made a hard scream and backed away from the man. Jim described it as having an odd walk as it retreated. Its legs stuck out from the side of the trunk of the body, making its movements appear almost spider-like as it backed away. So, um, in, the, in fall of 1976, another sighting of the Dwayo took place in Frederick County near Thurmont between uh, Cunningham Falls State Park and Catawba Mountain National Park. And for people who don't know, that's where Camp David is actually located at. Two men drove off Route 77 onto a private road so they could spot deer by their headlights in order to see how uh, thick the native population had become before deer season. Now, to their surprise, they did not catch a deer in their lights, but instead a large animal ran across the front of their car. 
They described the creature as at least six foot tall, but inclined, inclined forward since it was moving quickly. Its head was fairly large and similar to the profile of a wolf. The body was covered in brown or brindle color fur, but the lower half had a striped pattern of noticeable dark and lighter banding. The forelegs or arms were slimmer and held out in front as it moved. Now the back legs were very muscular and thick, similar to perhaps a kangaroo. This was not a hominid-type creature. It did not have the characteristics of an ape. It was much more similar to a wolf or ferocious dog. However, it was definitely moving upright and appeared to be adapted to that type of mobility. It was particularly impressed. He, I was particularly impressed by the size and strength of the back legs, the stripes on the lower half of the body, and canine wolf-like head. Um, so later in 1978, two park rangers were near Cunningham Falls when they encountered a large, hairy creature running on two legs. Now, a rendition of the Dwayo witnessed in West Middleton was uh, related by uh, paranormalist Rob, uh, Robin Swope. Um, some people know him as the paranormal preacher, and he gave me this account. Um, the witness said she was driving on Coxie Brown Road near Myersville, Maryland, late in the summer of 2009 when she had a strange feeling. It was if she had been was being watched. The road was lined with trees. She was on the outer edge of Gambrel State Park again, and the forest was beginning to grow thicker. Now, according to her, as she turned on Hall Bottom Road, where her friend lived, the feeling became overwhelming. The hairs on the back of her neck rose in terror as she sensed the unseen eyes upon her. She wanted to stop the car and take her breath. She was afraid that she would veer off the road and hit a tree because she said her nerves were getting so unsteady that she began to shake. But she knew that whatever was watching her and following her was out there, and she took that what little comfort she had by being safe inside the car. Still, to prevent a wreck, she slowed down as she headed south, and that was when she saw the creature. Now, at first, it was a blur to the right of her peripheral vision. Something that was moving through the trees, a shadow that flickered as it went in and out of the of sight on the edge of her vision. It was a brown smear color that popped out in contrast to the dull gray tr uh, trees that she passed. Now, whatever it was, it bobbed through the underbrush and between the trees to keep pace with her car. Now, she thinks at the time she was going around 25 mile an hour. She then slowed down once more to take a good look to her right and make sure that she wasn't seeing things. And as her car slowed to a crawl, the brown blurry smear of color seemed to bound out of the woods closer to the road. With a massive leap, the hazy color became flesh as a huge dog-like creature on two legs emerged from the foliage. The fangs were burned into her memory. Huge fangs from the mouth grimaced in anger and hate. She could feel the fangs as if they were ripping her skin while the creature stood there panting on the side of the road. Drool dripped from its huge mouth as she heard a loud growl and she looked into the dark eyes. Darkness took up its entire eye. There was no white at all. 
It was as if it was, she was staring at death and hell and heading into a Disney madness. Then it leaped, arms outstretched but claws grasping the wind. Instinctively, she stepped on the gas pedal with all her might. The squeal of the tire seemed as if her car, too, was screaming in horror as, at the thing that emerged from the dark, looming forest. Uh, she did not look back. She didn't want to know if the thing was following her. She didn't feel the eyes upon her anymore. She was too shaken to really feel anything at all. And when she made it to her friend's house, she sat in the driveway shaking as she looked around to make sure the creature had not followed her there. Now, the house was also in the woods and at the opposite side of the state park. When she felt safe, she made a mad dash for her friend's door and banged on it frantically. Um, now, he did not know what to make of her story. Uh, the witness knew he didn't believe her. He had lived in the woods all his life and never encountered what she had seen. He assured her that it must have been a dog, perhaps a rabid one at that. Uh, her mind was playing tricks on her, but the young woman knew that she had seen what she had seen that late summer day. Uh, it was no dog. It was something out of a horror movie come to life before her eyes. Though she told nobody what she felt it really was, she called it a werewolf. That is until after she did some research in a local college library and came up with the name that others have called this thing. Uh, she may have encountered the dwell. Now, I probably talked to five or six people who have had encounters in Western Maryland with this thing. Uh, and it's the, the, the sighting reports are pretty similar. Uh, in fact, one gentleman who I had talked to, who actually talked to Butch and I at one point, he lived out west of, uh, northwest of Frederick, Maryland. And he was staying at his grandmother's house, and she lived out in the boondocks. She was out in the country. And as she, as you have it, there was, she had an outhouse. So if he had to use the facilities, he had to walk through the garden on the sidewalk to the outhouse and do his business there. Well, he said one night he was out there and I, now his grandmother always insisted that she go with him. But this one particular night, I don't know if he was having trouble waking her up or he just didn't feel like bothering her. Uh, he went out there on his own. And when he was in the outhouse, he heard these sounds. He wasn't sure what they were. And as he left and walking up past the garden on the sidewalk, he looked back and he saw this, um, and he described it as about seven to eight foot tall upright canine. And he said it looked, it looked like a wolf. And uh, he said he started running and he got back to the house and he told his grandmother and she didn't, she didn't say much about it. Uh, he believes that she knew about it. So uh, these are some of the stories that we've heard before. Now, I did tell you about the one encounter up at Cunningham State Falls, or Cunningham Falls State Park, I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, that's an area near, well, that's that's actually where Camp David is, the presidential retreat. There have been a lot of sightings up there of a lot of different things. Um, and these Dwayo sightings were one of them. There have been Bigfoot sightings. Uh, I also believe there was a, uh, a winged humanoid sighting there years and years ago, but I never got a whole lot of information on that. Uh, I used to go up there trout fishing a lot. So um, 
you know, it used, used to always bug me because sometimes I would go up there and this happened to me twice. I would actually go up there and I'd be fly fishing the creek. And after driving up there, I'd get turned around because the secret, the, uh, the uh, secret service would stop you on the road. You couldn't go any closer. So of course I had to find somebody else, someplace else to fish that day. But uh, that was back in the um, that was back in the early eighties, and uh, so yeah, that did happen. So anyway, um, now I what I am going to do, I'm going to talk about my Sykesville monster encounter, and you know, the last time I did the personal reports, there were some people I had mentioned, some people wanted me to tell them about. It. I didn't have time, but I decided to talk about it today now before i talk about that if you have any questions that you want me to answer let me know let's see i've got them stored here double d any dogman sightings in south central pennsylvania lately um not lately i have had reports in uh Misho state forest in the southern part of uh, Misho State Forest, not actually not too far from the Waynesboro um, Reservoir, where the actual the, the Bigfoot tracks encounter or Bigfoot track sighting or incident had taken place years ago back in the uh, oh god when was that about twenty years ago uh, the early two thousands. So um, that. That is probably the last one that I've had is, but we've had some, we've had some sightings in other areas that we weren't really sure if they were cryptic canines. Uh, we had something that somebody saw in New Oxford a while back. We had something up in Shippensburg. Uh, we get a few unsubstantiated sightings closer to the Susquehanna in York County. Um, but nothing really definitive. But there are, I mean, these things are around. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, we, but most of the sightings, that one sighting in particular up at, at Misho is probably the most prevalent. Uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of fluorite did you use for spiritual protection line? Any other advice for warning, banishing dangerous cryptids? I don't know. I, I don't know how well it, work, it works on cryptids. I always keep, um, I use yttrium fluorite. That's what it's yttrium fluorite spelled with a Y. Y-T-T-R-I-U-M fluorite. Excuse me. It's a, uh, it's, it's not easy to find. It's, and actually it's quite expensive. It's a, uh, it doesn't look like normal fluorite. It's kind of opaque color. Sometimes you'll find it in a very gel-like uh, lavender color. The best examples come from caves down in, in Mexico. Uh, normally when it becomes available, I buy as many as I possibly can, as much as I possibly can. And uh, like I said, it is quite expensive. And when you, you can find it on eBay, but you're going to usually end up paying if you're going to get actual get your fluorite. Um, it's for me, it works for me. I mean, I keep it with me most of the time. 
Um, it's just a, there's just a certain energy about it. I can literally feel the vibration when I'm holding it and when I have it in a pocket or something. It, it is. And I use it to work when I do work, uh, when I use it for crystals, I actually do use it. So as far as banishing, warding off, you know, for me, it works. I, I just want, you know, I don't know. I've, I've had, uh, I've given pieces to other people and, um, they have used it and they like it. So maybe you want to try it at some point. Vincent wants to know, do you think the beast of seven shoots could be a, a guggway Bigfoot creature? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know what that was. You know, it does look more canine than anything else. Could have been a Bigfoot. Some people say it was a Bigfoot. You know, all we have is the one picture, the one photograph. I don't know what that was. Frankly, I've never received any upright canine reports in that area other than what, you know, that, that photograph. So, um, the head on that thing looks almost like a baboon. But uh, it, it's strangest. It's one of the strangest photographs, you know. And actually, some people don't know this, but that photograph was actually sent to me at the same at the same period of time that was uh, it was released to the public. So I had known about it. And Seven Shoots is up in Quebec, uh, Canada. So uh, I don't know what that thing was, but it's a remarkable picture. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Vincent asked, could the Dwayo be a not deer or possibly a skinwalker? It could be. Uh, I, kn I know some of that, some of that description of it with the legs splaying out and moving like a spider is kind of different. You know, it would kind of tend towards a, maybe a not deer or some other type of creature. Uh, or a skinwalker goes, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, Don McDouglas, I'm new here. Curious if you had ever had, personally had an encounter. And if yes, you can briefly let us know. And I'm going to talk about that next. So I have had two actual encounters. I had a Bigfoot encounter and I had a, uh, a winged humanoid encounter later on. And I'll talk about the winged humanoid another time. Uh, Space Cadet Lottie, does Pennsylvania Dutch powwow magic attract dark entities possibly? I guess if it's used incorrectly. Um, you know, if, if you're familiar with, um, if you're familiar with root conjuring, especially Appalachian root conjuring, it's very similar, um, but there are those people who use it, the black, dark side of it and um there have been people who have swore that they were cursed by it are these practitioners i i have never run across that it's it's mostly a healing uh art that uses uh christian symbols and christian uh dogma um most people who are practitioners use the bible as well uh, the book that they use is called The Long Lost Friend. It's a, it's a variety of um, what they call recipes and, and uh, what they use to take illness away or to ward off uh, curses and such. 
But um, yeah, I guess anything could attract dark entities if, if it's used in the wrong way. Uh, Jose Sanchez, can some of the winged cryptids be confused for fox or vampire bats? Well, I, I guess if they're big enough, but, um, you know, normally when we're talking about these winged cryptids, they're usually pretty good size. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be. You know, we, we've had a lot of, um, we've had a lot of, sightings that are hard to describe. I had one today that I received today from a guy in Chicago. Who's, and if you look on the blog, uh, he swears that he encountered a winged upright canine. And the characteristics, the way this thing flew and the reacted was very similar to the, uh, the winged humanoids that we've been investigating in the Chicago area for all these years. So, uh, I'm a little, I feel it's a bit dubious, but I, I'm going to look into it and see what else. I did talk to the witness, but uh, yeah, it, you know, a lot of this stuff could be a lot of things. And of course we've gotten, we've gotten sightings that just aren't all explainable for the most part, but um, you know, it could be anything, I guess. Uh, Thomas Carroll wants to know, we talk about upright canes quite a bit, but any upright feline settings? Well, yeah, I have had a few. Uh, uh, normally, th th those were seen down in Florida. Um, seems that Florida has had these upright felines. But as far as other places, I really don't know. So, um, anyway... Oh, and I did notice in the chat that Peace, who's in the chat, stated that she lives in, in Zephyr Hills. Now, Zephyr Hills is, is an area where I've had some, some winged humanoid encounter sightings, uh, especially back in 2017. We had three sightings in Zephyr Hills or outside of Zephyr Hills. So uh, I thought that was, I didn't know that piece was from that location. But yeah, we've, uh, if you want me to talk about that sometime, I will. I'll dig them out and talk about them. Uh, now I've been keeping an eye, another question, we've been keeping an eye out for updates on Brenda Hamilton here in North Carolina. She was attacked by an undocumented canine. The news went hush as if it never happened. Have you heard any reports on this? Nope, I have not. And if I did, I'd, I'd let you know, but I, I really don't. So let me talk about the, uh, let me talk about my encounter back in 81. Now, for those who have never heard it, it's going to be a little unusual. I, I think most people who know me have heard it before. That picture, that, that, that rendering that, Vincent has put up on the on on the screen is um, is a, actually a forensic rendition of what I saw and what others had seen in and around Sykesville between 1972 and 1981. Because I had taught there was the Bigfoot the, the Sykesville monster sightings in 72 and 73, and of course I had my sighting in 81. But that's the rendition. That's what I had a forensic artist down in Florida who was actually 
a former retired police forensic artist make that uh, rendition for me. But that's what I saw. That's what I encountered. Well, anyway, um, this was May 9th, 1981. I was living in Sykesville, Maryland at the time. And um, I used to do a lot of fly fishing back then. And uh, I would go down on the south branch of the Tapsco River, which downstream was like a mile downstream from Sykesville or Route 32. And I was out there uh, fly fishing for rock bass and smallmouth and whatever else was in the river at the time. And I had been there a lot. I, I, I knew the area very well. So I was I had my hip waders on and I was in in the river. And it, it's not a, a real wide area there. It's a lot of riffles and such and a lot of pools. But I was standing in the river. Nice day, nice sunny day. And uh, as I was standing on the uh, on the um, the south side of the river, I looked over across the north side on the bank, and there was a, a large stray dog kind of moving in and out of the weeds back then. And I didn't pay it much attention, but I knew it was out there. So you know, but I kept fishing. But then I heard the dog yelp. It was pretty loud. So I, I raised up and looked in that direction, and there were a lot of weeds. They were really pretty high, five, six foot in height. And it was uh, it was kind of a gravel bar bank there. It was all gravel along on, along the bank of the river. Uh, it was about maybe 40, 50 feet from, from me. And I, after I heard this yelp, I looked in that direction. I saw something huge and dark in color stand up in the weeds. And when it raised up, I didn't know what the hell I was looking at, but it was it was dark brown in color. And uh, it started moving to my left and eventually walked out in the weeds and was standing on the gravel bank of the river. It was about, it was about 40 foot from me. It turned and was looking directly at me. And I think we locked eyes for about 10 seconds. I... Uh, Honestly, I didn't know what I was looking at, at the time. Uh, I don't know if I was scared or I was more shocked than anything else, but this thing was massive. It was about seven and a half to eight foot high. Um, very, very muscular, very wide. Definitely male. I could see the genitalia on this thing. It was a very dark brown color. The, um, the skin on the face and the, and the hands was very dark, almost black. The, um, but, you know, I didn't, I, like I said before, I didn't know what I was looking at. Now, I had heard of Bigfoot before, of course, about that time, you know, the, the Boggy Creek thing was big. The film had been out. So people were familiar with that. Uh, I knew about the, 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 the Patty film and, and other such, but, this thing, as I looked at it, it, it actually looked more human. If I had a gun, I would have never shot it because it did look more human. And you see the photo, you see the, the picture, the rendition. It, it does look really human. But I described it as looking more Neanderthal than, than you know, ape-like. But anyway, like I said, we, we stood there, both of us, for about 10 seconds. And then it's, it just literally turned 
on a hill and, and started quickly moving up into the woods. It wasn't running, but it was moving quickly. So um, I'm I'm standing there, and I I don't know what I looked like. I don't know if my jaw was gaped or what was going on, but I was I was shocked at what I was looking at. So the first thing I did was I, I got out of the river and I walked up onto the road into my car and started driving into Sykesville because I was going to call the local authorities. Now, it was only like a three-minute drive, and the first thing I came to was a, a payphone by the bar that was located on the side of the, the river. Uh, I actually thought about going in there and getting a drink, but I didn't do that. <laughs> I got on the phone. And uh, I, I called the Sykesville police and I told them about what I had encountered. And they, um, I, I don't, I don't think they believed me, but the woman on the, who answered the phone said, well, go back to the location, which I'm thinking, I don't want to go back there. And you know, who, what, what's to say that thing isn't back there again. Well, anyway, she said, go back there. We'll have somebody there to meet you. So I'm thinking I'm going to drive back and probably wait an hour till a Sykesville cop shows up. So I get back in the car. I drive the three minutes back to the location. And when I get there, there's a pen, there's a, a Maryland State Police officer standing there with one of those wood barricades across the road. So when I pull up, he comes to the window and said, you got to get out of here. And I said, look, I just called Sykesville police and told them I had reported this thing. I had an encounter while I was fishing. I don't care. You got to leave. So he wasn't going to let me stay. So I backed up and turned around and drove back home. So anyway, I was sitting at home for about an hour. I, you know, I changed clothes and everything. And I decided, well, you know, I'm driving back out to see what the hell's going on. And I did. So I drove back up, and that was River Road. That's what it was called back then. And uh, I drove back up there. And this, uh, you know, I, I was about a, a quarter of a mile from the location, and cars were already parked up and down the road. So I had to park on the side of the road and walk up to the location. And when I walked up there, there were people standing there at the barricade, and there was a Howard County police officer there. So I walked up to the police officer, and asked him, said, what's going on? He said, he started laughing. He said, ah, somebody must have saw a Bigfoot or said they saw a Bigfoot. Well, I didn't tell him I was the one that made the report. But I, as I looked out, there were, I mean, the woods were filled with people. They had dogs and searchers out there. And, um... They had a big white tent set up on the other side of the river where I'd seen this thing. And uh, there were a whole, there were cars from every jurisdiction in the area. State police, Howard County. I think the Carroll County Sheriff was there. Um, but there were two black wagoneers sitting there. Now, back then, that's what the feds used to use, the black wagoneers. So I knew the feds were in the area. And I did hear a helicopter, didn't see one, but I heard the chopping of a helicopter. So I stood there a couple minutes and I was thinking, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting out of here. So I did. I left and went back home. And when I went, when I got back home, I called the three television stations in Baltimore to tell them about what had happened. 
And they all three, the news desks, all three of them sounded very interested. They said, well, in a couple of days, give us a call back or we'll call you and we'll do an interview. I said, okay. Well, five days later, I hadn't received a phone call. So I called WMAR, which is Channel 2 in Baltimore. And I talked to the, the news editor there and he literally hung up on me. He said, I don't want to talk to you and hung up. So I knew something weird was going on. But anyway... Ever since that encounter, and even now, I still get try to find out information about what had I had seen, and you know, then I found out about the Sykesville monster incident. And uh, one of the guys who I was working with had family down there on that riverbank where the the original sightings back in seventy two and seventy three had occurred. Now, down there in that you, they call it the Oklahoma Road area, and it was right down on the Patapsco River. That's an African-American community. And uh, But I knew some of the people. I knew some of the, the people lived down there. And I had access, because of my friend, to talk to a lot of the original witnesses from the Sykesville Monster case. And the Sykesville Monster case was actually reported originally to the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper, and they did the original story, and then it got out into the public from there. But I did talk to most of the witnesses, and I actually had a few other witnesses I talked to uh, that had never reported their encounter. And in fact, this, this Sykesville monster, or this Bigfoot, had literally gotten into two homes at one point. It got into somebody's kitchen. They ran into the kitchen and saw this thing in there and busted out the door. And then one of them got stuck into a, in a garage, and they called the police. The police went to investigate. The cop was standing outside the door, and this Bigfoot literally smashed the door down onto the cop and ran off. I think the cop had to be put in the hospital, but I, I talked to some of the people that had done the investigation. They, they weren't sure if the cop was hurt or not. But anyway, uh, this Bigfoot was getting into, um, and people down there were keeping chicken pens and, and uh, they had dogs and stuff and they were getting, this thing was getting into chicken pens. So um, yeah, so that was, if you, if you look at the Sykesville monster, other than, what's written about my encounter it's it's a whole long thing but i had known nothing about that bef before i had my encounter so since then i've been uh doing an investigation and i've had other people who've had sightings down there that area has had and if you look in in maryland in carroll county in in howard county baltimore county there have been four class a sightings other than mine reported to BFRO. So uh, it is a hot area. Now, the last the last one I heard of was about five or six years ago on an area called Daniels. It's a little town down on the river. Uh, a woman had a, an encounter, her and her son. But uh, even though a lot of the area is built up, it's there's still sightings down there. So um, anyway, if you have any questions, put them up here. I'll see what I can answer them.
Uh, Bernadette wants to know, will you ever go back to where you had to encounter? I have been back several times. The last time I was back there was, um, ooh, it's since I moved up Pennsylvania, I was back down there, and I, the area is all built up. Uh, but it, overall, it looks about the same. You know, it's funny. When, um, when Monsters and Mysteries of America, in their second season, interviewed me about my encounter, uh, it was actually initiated by one of the town the town manager Sykesville because <laughs> she had, she was, she had a, uh, a haunted tour of Sykesville and she included my Bigfoot sighting in that tour and she got interested and she was actually digging into the police records of Sykesville police. And there was nothing in there. There was no report of it. And actually I've checked into other with other people about it. And, um, I, I actually talked to a cop too at one point. And uh, he remembers it, and he verifies everything. Isn't Bigfoot all, already considered a feral man? Nah, not really. I mean, there's some sightings of people say that's what it is, but I don't think that's what it, I don't. I don't think that's what it was. This this definitely was a feral human. This was some type of primate mix or whatever it was. Uh, and, you know, I still believe that these are interdimensional creatures for the most part. I really do. Uh, Vincent wants to know, how did they show up so fast? Well, from what I gathered, a woman down in Marysville, which was about three miles downstream from where I had my encounter, had seen it and made a report, and they were out looking for it. But for whatever reason, and this is the reason the feds and everybody got involved, I think... And I got to first preface this by saying people who know the Baltimore, Washington area know that there are a lot of facilities that people don't know what's going on there. They're, they're unmarked. They're, you know, I think there was something going on in, in a facility along the river. And I think it was federal. And I've heard a lot of stories over the years. I've, I've actually written about a, 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 what it could have been. But, um, and I may go at that at some point, but. Uh, I, I think they, this thing escaped, and it was they were being they were looking for it. Uh, there had been an incident up in Edge uh, Edgewood, up near Aberdeen Proving Grounds, where there was supposedly a facility up there, where uh, I had an Air Force officer tell me after he retired that there was they had been keeping Bigfoot up there, and there was an escape at one point, and uh, that's another story. <laughs> You know, I, I have heard so many different things over the years, but uh, and it's get, it gets to the point where you almost it's hard to believe what every, everything you're told. But that was an interesting account. Now, Vince wants to know: Have you ever tried remote viewing a cryptid? Oh, absolutely! I do it now. When I do my cryptid investigations, I do that, and it works sometimes. I mean, it does help give some information. Uh, the remote views work both better for spirit or paranormal entities, but as far as cryptids go, I have used it on locations occasionally. Nancy Malcolm, have you heard the newest theory of Bigfoot having DNA tracing back to Java Man? Well, you know, when um, <laughs> when the, the Kitchum investigation was going on, and I, I knew J.C. Johnson, he was involved with that. 
some of the and this was this wasn't made public, but some of the DNA was actually going back into Middle Eastern ancestry. Um, uh, Brian Sykes actually posted some of this as well. So as far as going back to forth to the Java man, I guess that could be possible. I mean, absolutely. I, I do believe there is some DNA connection between these creatures and humans. I do believe that. Uh, I love the meme humanoids book. Any new notable crawling reports? Thank you. Not really. I get one once in a while. Um, but, you know, nothing really outstanding. You know, there was a period of time that we were getting some really bizarre sightings. I just have not received a whole lot lately. Uh, nothing really notable that stands out. Uh, you know, if it gets to the point, if I do get sighting reports of these crawlers, I, I will post them on the blog. But right now, I, I can't really think of all, anything offhand that, that really stands out since I've written the book. Alpha Omega, what are your thoughts on Todd standing? <laughs> uh, I, I'd rather not say. I, I don't buy into a lot of what he proposes. Um, I, I, I think I, I'm not going to go deep into it, but I, I don't believe what he's saying or what he's showing. Uh, I, I just don't. And I know several people who have talked to him and have been involved with him. And, uh, I just don't, I just don't buy into what he's, you know, what he's preaching. So, um. Oh, let's see here. Anybody else got any more questions? Any new sightings at O'Hara? Not O'Hara. Not O'Hara, but we've had sightings in Bensonville, which is just outside of O'Hara. Uh, but as far as in the area around the, um, the cemetery and the, uh, in the cargo area, the western cargo area, we haven't had anything new. I think they're keeping a pretty tight lid on a lot of that, but who knows? I, I think, just like everything else, I, I think th this is this isn't going away. I think we're going to get new reports. We have had new reports uh, where people, we have team are working on new reports. It's just a matter of getting to the witnesses and talking to the witnesses and getting more information. So, um, anything else? Okay, well, folks, thanks for coming in and listening to me tonight. Um, if you have an unexplained encounter sighting, feel free to contact me through the Fams and Monsters blog site. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. Um, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes this all possible. <clears throat> if you want to go back and make a donation, I appreciate it. Um, please like, subscribe, and share. And uh, if you, you have a sighting report or encounter report, be considered for the personal report show. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, you, can, you can email me at lawnstricklerfamsandmonsters.com. Now, later tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central, Vincent Richardson's V Show will have his guest, William Nighthawk and Dennis Carroll. And they will be talking about reptilians. And that should be a very interesting show. So I implore you to, to listen, watch and listen. That should be an interesting show.
And then this Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, the host from Tales of the Dark podcast will join me. That's Bob Hicks and Brittany Clark. Uh, they're going to talk about some of their, some of the cases they've worked on and some of the things they're involved with. So, uh, yeah, join us in the chat. If you have questions for them, please feel free to ask it. Again, I want to thank you for your all coming in tonight. And then until we see you again, uh, stay healthy. Have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.